Legend of Zelda Symphony of the Goddesses World Tour is coming to a city near you and near me with a full orchestra and over 30 years of Zelda gameplay on a giant screen. Goron-sized screen, now featuring Breath of the Wild along with all of the classics. Check them out in Portland on the 23rd, or you could wait and check them out with me in New York City on October 20th, or my fiancé, my bride-to-be. By that point, my bride, actually, will be singing in the Symphony of the Goddesses World Tour. My goddess! Jesse, she'll be in the symphony. For tickets and full tour schedule, go to mgplive.com and make sure to use promo code LOZ10 when purchasing tickets to get 10% off. And stay tuned to the end of this episode when we will be giving away a couple tickets. Hello, and welcome to Achievement Oriented, the Ringer's video game podcast. My name is Ben Lindbergh. I'm a writer for TheRinger.com, and so is the man on the other line, the industry insider, Jason Concepcion. Hello, Jason. I am inside this industry. I am deep inside the industry. I am up inside this industry looking out from the inside. You really are. You make games now. Well... (laughs) <laughs> sure, I, I was of part the of many the process. People who made a game. That's yeah. right. So I think that's fair. Usually, we have to to go outside. We have to have guests on to talk about how video games are made, and we are going to do that later in this episode. We're going to welcome on Chris Papernak, who is the director of NBA Two K eighteen, which is out now. Very well received basketball game. Next week, we're going to do two episodes. We're going to talk to Walt Williams, who is a former video game writer for 2K and has worked on many prominent games. But we don't even need to go outside the two of us to talk to a genuine video game writer because you are one now. You wrote for NBA 2K18. I love this. It was great. uh, Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, It was definitely a weird – it was kind of a weird process because – um, people have been like, so how did you get this? I was like, well, they contacted yes. me off the internet. Uh, you, you made some great tweets, I assume. I made some, I made some tweets, and uh, they were fire tweets, <laughs> to be fair. And so yeah. um, they were. Do you ju- know I if got there was a con- specific tweet? Because there's there's a specific tweet that led to your getting a job at Grantland, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, it was something about Daryl Morey uh, choking himself as he masturbated to James Harden. <laughs> right. And the network uh, origin story. Right. Uh, but so I got an email and it was just like, hey, um, have you ever thought about uh, writing scripts and stuff for 2K or for anything? Have you ever written scripts? And I was like, yeah. It's, and so I sent them like five pages of a spec script that has no title, but which I like to think of as uh, if Ballers were was good, uh, slash <laughs> HBO is an investor in the ringer, and I hope they don't listen to this. So I sent them that, and then it was like a month later or something. It was like, hey, do you, uh, could you write two scenes, and this is the setup for each scene, and one was like um, the veteran on the team talks to the rookie about something, and then... Uh, and other, and then the rookie and the veteran are on the plane, mm-hmm. uh, talking about whatever. And so I wrote those and I sent them in. There was like they were like a page each, and then they were like, "Great, do you want to uh, do you want to come on and write 2K?" I was like, "Yes, good." Wow, 
Yeah. Those must have been amazing one pagers. I think How long did good. you spend on crafting those pages? <laughs> well, <laughs> literally like 45 minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was, it was, You're just I that mean, good. that's like, no, I mean, like, you know, like that's a lot easier than writing a, like, I'm sure you, you know, Ben, like yeah. writing, you know, writing a page scene is a lot easier than writing like a baseball or basketball piece that you have to research mm-hmm. and do all this stuff. It's like, this guy says this and this guy says that and then something else happens and that's it. Right. And it's a, it's literally a page. Like you, the hardest part is keeping it within a page, mm-hmm. like making there, having there be a little arc, a uh, little, some kind of structure within a page and that's it. So I sent that in and I was like, wow, I hope I get this. Cause that would be great. I like, yeah. uh, and then I got it and I went to our uh, ringer bosses and I said, Hey, can I do this? I mm-hmm. swear to God, it won't affect my work. <laughs> uh, and they were just like, yeah, which is yeah. Uh, thanks to the ringer. Thanks to Sean yeah, Fennessey and generous. all the people we here who- Great, who, wise bosses. Thank you very much. And so they flew us out um, to Marin and it, to the 2K like headquarters. And it was myself, um, Jay Larson, who's a comedian, um, and Jamal Alori, who's uh, one of the creators of Atlanta. And we just- had a creative meeting where they would say, you know, what they wanted, what they were looking for. Um, and then sometime after that, just a master list of scenes came down, like an Excel sheet, which mm-hmm. is like, okay, here's the the big scenes. And then little stuff like, okay, you're, my player scores a lot of points, but the team loses. My player has a lot of assists, but the team wins. My player gets <laughs> destroyed on defense, but the team wins. And then you'd have to write scenes like that so that was like you know x amount of scenes we broke it up three ways and then you'd have a month or so to deliver that and you deliver that and then it just keeps going the process would just keep going mm-hmm. so was it mostly was there on-screen text was it a mix of text and voice and actual scenes and mocap because as we're going to talk to chris about this is a big game it's not just basketball yeah. there's a lot of stuff surrounding the basketball so were there different forms that the writing took uh, yeah there was like um there was definitely some ones where they were like we want the player to have a choice of what to say here um the choice mostly being like be a dick or be cool uh-huh. um and those were fun um and you know mostly it was just about filling out all the kind of different variations of things that can happen because of it being an interactive game and then the the scope of the game kind of expanded like as it went on and then at the end of it I managed to you know like they were like uh Lavar Ball came on so I got to write Lavar Ball's uh, social media <laughs> stuff which was really uh-huh. fun I got to I have him call out Micah one of our writers here at the <laughs> Ringer uh-huh. it was really fun uh <laughs> Um, and it was just a really fun, it was a really fun process, you know, like, um, it was the, in terms of workload, it was kind of a lot. Like I, if, if there was ever a point where it was like a hundred scenes and it's like a page, so it's like a hundred pages, I'd be like, okay, I'll write 20 a day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and then, so at the end, I hopefully, you know, it's, it's not hard. I'm not up for 20 hours writing a hundred scenes, Yeah, but so I would do it like that. How many words would you estimate that you wrote for this game? And do you have any idea how many of them made it into the game? You know, I haven't looked, I mean, I, I've watched some of the stuff on YouTube that stuff that I know I did, the stuff that I know I did is, um, I did LeVar Ball social media. Uh I did a lot of the stuff with the best friend who is this comedian, um, LA based comedian, little tasty. So I just based it all off her like routine, Mm -hmm. her character and her like standup routines. 
Um, I did a lot of this, the really basketball type conversations where it was like, where there's the analytics guy and like the (laughs) assistant coach telling him like, you got to do this, you got to do that. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of the, a lot of the PR and, and assistant PR person. That was fun because I based the assistant PR person on a friend of mine Uh and even like made the name really similar. And then I did a lot of like the kind of hanging out, like on the plane, hanging out like at the, at the um, apartment type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, you know, just watching it on YouTube and looking for those scenes, um, you can tell that like the core of what I wrote is there, but that, that um, certainly the actors like, made it more their own in order to make the conversation more, make it more conversational, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, there's stuff I recognize that I wrote in there for sure. Uh-huh. Very generous of you allowing some ad libs. Listen, your, your you know, precious like, words. No how one, dare no one they? gets the temper with your Do words. Do not like, yeah, what the, f- <laughs> you know, like what the fuck is this? Just read right? the words as you right. wrote them. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, this is my mammoth turn. <laughs> right. When I write the shit, it's, it's there for a reason. When I put that <laughs> comma in there, you pause for a fucking exactly. second, and then you go on. And I wrote, uh, like, I wrote some of the, um, like, when my player checks into the tournament right at the beginning of the mode, like him checking in and him talking to his rival and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I remember you flying out there once or twice. Did you do most of the work remotely? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like, you, you know, you'd, you'd hand in your scenes. Um, I think I've, I was only out there maybe two or three times, and then that was just a check-in um, for kind of like major expansions or major changes in narrative or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'd get a master list of scenes, um, you know, at the beginning of the month or whatever, and then we'd be responsible for turning in those. But for like generating ideas and stuff, that was mainly when we when we'd go out there and they check in with us and be like, okay, what do you have if we do this? What do you have if we do this? What kind of characters do you want to do here? Mm-hmm. Um, like the character of Shammy, the best friend, I think that was mostly Jay Larson who would come up with that with that character. Um, I could be wrong about that. But um, so yeah, like the meetings out there was mostly for creative and then we do everything from from remote. You know, Jamal is obviously like I think he was he was like deep in like Han Solo shit, so he was probably uh-huh. doing it from like a trailer in London with the Millennium Falcon in the background. Uh-huh. So was this ever explicitly an ambition of yours, or is this just something that came out of the blue and was exciting, but not something you had ever hoped for or expected? I mean, for video games, no. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, script. Like, I write. I have like like spec scripts. Like someone was talking to me the other day. It was like. Um, do you want to pitch a thing? Like if anybody asked you, could you pitch? I like, I have like 30 ideas I could pitch you in 30 seconds right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've just written, you know, you just write stuff all throughout the course of like writing. I have a bunch of little scenes, stuff that's like a scene, stuff that's like a whole episode. I have like comic book stuff. You just mess around in it and write stuff. So it was like an ambition, but never really had a direction for it until like 2K was like, hey, do you want to write stuff? I was like, yeah, great. I have here's a here's an example of me writing things. Yeah, that's great. So, did you have a, a sense of the whole story when you were writing these individual scenes? Did you mm. know the beginning, middle, and end, or were you just kind of doing I th- slices? I thought I did at first, um, and this is you know it's like it felt like, and this is only my probably like my perception of what was going on. It felt like a smaller story at first, um, but then it definitely got bigger. So, 
I thought so, but no, because there's like a t- like I know that I produce like you know we wrote a ton of scenes, and I'm sure the other guys wrote a ton of scenes too. So there's probably a bunch of stuff that I just have no idea about. And there's there's a certain point where we'd all switch, you know, we'd all write um, our stuff, and then we'd switch just to make sure that all the voices were kind of unified across the breadth of the game. So mm. like we'd we'd each take our take a pass on each other's stuff. Um, which I don't know if that's normal or not normal, but like that was that was how we kept um, the voice of the game and the voice of the characters kind of unified throughout the process. Uh-huh. So I know you haven't played the game yet. Are you no. are you nervous to see it on your screen? Are you saving it for, for preserving the anticipation? Have you just not yeah, gotten around I'm... to it? I just, uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm waiting for that really quiet moment uh-huh. when I'm ready, when I'm emotionally ready to to look at genius. No, I've, <laughs> I've been just really busy. But they, 2K was kind enough to send a bunch of copies over to the office today, mm-hmm. um, which I gave a bunch out to um, our colleagues. Mm-hmm. Sorry to any of you who I who didn't get them. You just weren't around at that particular time and I'll make it up to you in some kind of way. Uh-huh. Of course, our, our wonderful producer, Kyle, got a copy. Um, I don't have um, a copy. And I, this is what I get uh, for not listen, working in the office. Watch me hook you up. Yeah. I'm going to hook you up, okay. my guy. Thank you. Yes, please. Yeah. Wedding <laughs> gift. I will bring it. What if I bring it? That would be awesome. You and should. I'll just hand it to you. Yeah. I'll take it out of my suit pocket and I'll give it to you. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's, I'm looking forward to playing it. Hopefully I'll get some time to play it either tonight or, or later this week. Cool. Well, right now the Metacritic score sitting at 88 for NBA yeah! 2K18. I will say Let's go. the score for NBA 2K17, also 88. <laughs> so well, listen, that's not bad. You didn't do any here's damage a, to the franchise. That's what here's we can a tweet say. I just got, here's a tweet I just got from at John D. Strong. Uh-huh. Hey, Network, you're writing on the MyGM story is the best part of an exceptional game. Wow. I don't know how he knows what part of, <laughs> like, what parts I wrote, but I take, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. It's better I than the basketball, really. The basketball is just, it's an interruption. <laughs> it's like, get out of the way. Let me savor Jason's words. The funniest part of it is that um, they also have, like, I signed a thing that lets them use my, like, Twitter handle and mm-hmm. avatar. Right. Like, I think it's my Facebook, my old Facebook avatar as, like, a so I'm, like, in as a social media reporter in the game tweeting, like, <laughs> and they have me as, like, a real, like, a Woj-type <laughs> Uh, like newsbreaker, oh, like a Schefter and like an totally Adam you. Schefter type. Yeah, yeah, that's very much me. Like I, <laughs> I just heard that the Utah Jazz are being contracted. They're moving to Seattle. Yeah, uh, my sources so tell well me that sourced. this is true. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, this is exactly. <laughs> that's exactly my vibe. So were your tweets in the game like auto-generated, or I believe that's yeah, I believe that's how it works. Huh. So yeah. you wrote for the game, but you did not write your own tweets for the game. I wrote, I wrote all of our balls tweets. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did get to write tweets, and I got to write some fun, to write some really funny ones, like about just talking about like Lonzo and how he's been great, like since he was a zygote, since he was like an unfertilized egg cell. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, this is a great development. I assume yeah. that achievement oriented is entirely responsible. They looked you up. They said I think so. not only does he have great tweets, but he does a video game podcast, so he must know what he's doing. He's totally God. qualified to write for our video game. So this is. I hope, uh, this is and great. I hope, as a as a person who uses money to survive in the world, I hope they hire me again. <laughs> yes, it was great. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll find out more about hire that me game again. in just a second. Yeah. yeah, please bring back Jason. 
And uh, we'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. And we'll be back with the director of the game that you worked on, Chris Pernak. Yeah. Over the years, we upgrade so many things. Cars, phones, TVs. But when was the last time you upgraded your underwear? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, your underwear. I want to tell you about Tommy John. Not the surgery. The revolutionary men's underwear brand that's redefined comfort for guys everywhere, myself included. Each pair is crafted from ultra-lightweight fabric for maximum breathability. The legs never ride up. The waistband never rolls down. Tommy John's patented 21st century design even makes it impossible. Impossible! (laughs) To get a wedgie. Look, I've tried all kinds of different underwear brands trying to find the perfect fit. Tommy John is simply the best there is. And they've got a lot more than unbelievable underwear. Their undershirts go on like a second skin and never come untucked. Even their socks are engineered to stay up all day. And all Tommy John underwear is backed by the best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. Tommy John! No adjustment needed. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash achievement to experience life-changing comfort and get 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash achievement for 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash achievement. No more wedgies. Now we're here with writer-director Chris Papernik. He's directed three NBA 2K installments thus far, 14, 15, and this year's 18, as well as uh, the feature Izzy Gets the... Can I say? Can I say the whole title? How you do you can say it? If you want to, Izzy gets the fuck across town. That's right. That, that's how I prefer <laughs> it said. <laughs> Which has a, a, actually an incredible cast. If you look at, I try MTV. to force as many people as possible to say it. <laughs> like when I do like yeah. red carpet lines yeah. and stuff, I'm like, no, you have to say it. You can't just not. You can't make me say it. You have to say it. And that's coming out quarter one, 2018. Chris, that's right. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm very excited um, to be here. I was listening as you came in. I was listening or watching rather some of the clips from YouTube of the game, and you know there's some of the dialogue scenes that I kind of remember. And I was like, "Do you get?" I was like, "Man, do you get PTSD when you listen to these? Like when you hear them, you're like, man, I remember that exact session.'" No, I yeah, it's. I think it's the thing that when you when you are writing process, I get it because you're just like boom, you're putting out scenes. You're like, I give you a list of things to do, and you're like, okay, here it is. I got to write these things. Output. When you're directing the scene, it's a little different because you do so many takes. I yeah. think it gets imprinted in your mind, whether you like it or not, that it's there. So when it comes back, you're like, oh, I remember that. I remember that exact day. I remember what was happening. I remember lunch. I remember all that stuff. So I remember most – I have a strong memory, but I remember most every day of the shoot and what happened on every day and what the challenges were, different things. So what does a director do? This is probably what Jason was going to ask, yeah. but I'm curious about – just what part you play in this project and how it differs from making a movie, which, of course, you've also done. Yeah. I mean, you know, the you know, I've worked at TV, too, and the process for a director is um, different in every single, you know, thing. I mean, you know, when you talk about a, a video game, you're talking about the development process on this was a little bit different with 18, where. I was given a little bit uh, – I was brought into the process earlier this time. In the past, in 14, 15, it was sort of like, here's a script. It's delivered. Um, now let's go shoot this script. 
In this case, it was more of a, here's a writing staff. Um, you know, we'd like you to manage the staff. We have sort of our, here's the things that we're looking to do. We talked about developing, they let us sort of have a lot of reign in developing characters. You know, they had their, you know, we'd come up with a list of characters and then they would say yes or no. And then they'd say, well, we kind of want more of this kind of character. And then we sort of try to chase that thing. So, you know, there's certainly like, you know, it's like working for a network or a studio in the way that the network studio has the overall final say on everything. There's a certain amount of creative leeway where they're like, hey, you know, go nuts, do something interesting. Um, we'll let you know if we don't like it, right. <laughs> you know, really what it comes down to. Um, but they're, you know, very usually very open to they're very open, especially in this process, to our ideas and what we're trying to go for creatively. Um so that's the first part of the process coming in and sort of getting the script, getting the story on its legs. Jeff Thomas, who's the, you know, sort of the the god of 2K, um, you know, had sort of this larger vision of the neighborhood concept. Mm -hmm. So how do we fill in this neighborhood? Who are the characters? So they wanted to bridge the idea, what is the traditional 2K idea, which is, you know, there's a narrative storyline and you follow in through this narrative storyline and you're an, your avatar goes through the story and you sort of experience life in the NBA. This opens that up a little bit. There's still some of that narrative storyline there, which we had to navigate in the development process. And then as well, um, you know, sort of how is that all going to function within the larger sort of open world concept? So it was challenging that way. Um, and then I guess to keep going forward with it, you know, once we sort of go through the script, um, you know, we're fortunate in the sense that we were able to shoot, you know, we could shoot, do we could shooting, stop, write some more, you know, shoot some more, write some more, shoot some more. So whatever was working, we were able to kind of chase um, and say, hey, let's do more of that. So the process was, it was a long process over, you know, five, six months. Um, but uh, I think rewarding in that sense that, you know, we're able to get the best stuff out. Talk about some of the casting uh, things you run into in your casting for a video game. What are you looking for when you're, you know, because obviously you're doing uh, – there's some mocap and there's some voice, but like, what are you looking for when you're when you're casting an actor for a game? Um, when you're casting an actor for a game, the, the number one thing is voice. Mm. You have to get an actor with a voice that um, you think it's hard. You have to guess that the audience is not mm. going to be. I think the checklist is a: Are they going to be annoyed by this voice? Um, B: Is the voice intriguing? Uh, does it fit the character that you're trying to go for? And then as well, it depends on the character. But when you talk about who the lead character is, in this case, DJ, um, who's played by Shane McGee, um, does that person walk with an athletic gait mm. that can be believable as an NBA player? Um, and then past that, okay, you check off those two, two, two checks, and then it's sort of like, who's the best actor? Who's the person that can really perform? Um, and in my, my case, you know, I think casting is this, you know – it's this mysterious process. You don't really yeah. know. There's no real strategy. It just kind of happens. Um, you know, a bunch of people come in, they read the scene. You don't, you know, I think that the danger is when you say, I know what exactly what I'm looking for. Mm. And I think the real thing, the real, the struggle you have to do as a director is to say, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I'll know it when I see it and trust yourself to know what that is when you see it. And in this case, um, and I think in most cases, I'm always looking for what I consider to be my catch all term is just the best actor available. Um, obviously, we don't have a ton of budget. We're not able to use to work with star actors. I know last year they worked with Michael B. Jordan, but this year, you know, it wasn't a sort of thing where we're going to get a bunch of star big name actors. So, you know, you really need somebody that's going to be able to come in and do the volume of scenes that we have to do and be able to uh, do those with um, enough presence. You know, sometimes you're looking for an actor that has theater training because there's mm -hmm. so many lines to learn. Yeah. Um, and, and Shane, in this case, 
who plays DJ, had theater training, so he was able to memorize a high volume of scenes. Yeah. Um, you know, because we're shooting a lot of pages a day, and he's got to memorize all that stuff and internalize it because he's in every scene. Some of the other actors dip in, dip in, you know, depending on the day, but he's got he's in every scene, so he's got to go, 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 go. Um, so you're looking for somebody that can do that and then also fight through the lines in a way that's compelling. Um, so you're looking for a really strong actor that's able to stay in the scene as much as possible. Mm. And so we've talked before about video game development. It's such a staple of so many games process that they get delayed at some point yeah. and the release date gets pushed back. You can't really do that with an annual sports game no. that is time to <laughs> no. come out at no. exactly the same time of year to set yeah. up the season. So how does the planning process differ, at least from your perspective, <clears throat> when you're deciding, okay, how much stuff can we actually get into this game knowing that we have a really hard out on the end of this process? Well, in terms of how the volume of scenes that they're looking to accept, um, you talk about the process. I mean, as the director, you're somebody who's – you know, it's a, it's a lot like doing a big, I'd say the analogy is like a big Marvel movie where, you know, the pre-production process is done in a lot of ways. Like as a director, you come in, you supervise some of the script rewrites, whatever. Um, and then you sort of execute, you know, you sit down with storyboard artists, execute a plan. Producers are looking over that. And then, you know, once the, the sort of principal photography is done, you may look in on some of the edits. But for the most part, sort of the Marvel higher level production sort of producers are the ones who make the final cut and they do this and they see it all the way through the completion, through scoring, through, you know, color timing, through all that. So in this case, a similar thing where we shoot it. Uh, I work with the actors on stage. We shoot the scenes and then we deliver. Mm. Um, we deliver to a gigantic building full of super talented people who are crunching all that information and making sure it looks as good as possible, um, you know, in the in the year time frame that we have. And there's just sort of chasing and racing and fighting and battling. And that's part of the reason why we started shooting a little earlier this year than in past years. Past years, it's been sort of like, okay, well, let's shoot a lot at once. Um, this year, we spread it out a little bit to give everybody a little bit more time to kind of deliver the product. Um, and I think the delivery on this case is sort of that double-edged sword. It's great because we know it's got to happen. Right. But it's bad because it's got to happen. So problems, chaotic things can happen in the middle that, you know, you just have to kind of blast through it no matter what. Uh, you talked about the pace that you guys work at. How many pages and or scenes you get through a day? I can't talk about that. Um, <laughs> I can't talk about the exact process, but I'll okay. say it's a lot. Yeah, um, We get through a lot of pages a day um, because there's a lot of volume in the game. And I think the big part of that is that they 2K always wants to make sure that the fan, the gamer has a lot of options mm -hmm. and that they can play this game forever. Um, and that they'll never get sick of it and then they'll put yeah. it down because there's always some other little thing you can uncover. And that's a big part of the open world concept, too, yeah. is people are just starting to discover now, oh, you can talk to the doorman. Oh, there's a juice guy you can talk right. to to uncover some boosts and different things like that, which is the fun thing about the open world concept. But it's a lot of volume. I mean, we are putting the actors under a ton of pressure to get a lot of scenes done um, in what wouldn't be a lot of time. Let's say on a feature film, you shoot three pages a day on a big budget, six pages on a lower budget TV show. You're maybe getting into eight, nine pages on a video game. We're shooting more per day. Let's say that. So it's a lot, um, you know, but there's advantages to mocap that, you know, you don't have to move a camera around or lights around it, different things like that. The environment's basically fixed. So you can get through a lot of stuff quicker. Hopefully that answers the question. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm also curious. I mean, there's just so much stuff in this game and yeah. Yeah. it seems like every year 
Games will add features. Sometimes they'll cut features too, but there's just so much surrounding the actual basketball in this story. And I would imagine that there's a certain percentage of players who just want to play the basketball and just want to get straight to that. I would think I could be completely wrong about that. So how do you kind of, I guess, give people the story that want the story and want that richness and character but also not get in the way of the core basketball gameplay that probably a lot of people are just looking to pick up and play. Yeah, you know, that's a tough question. I think it's above my pay grade in terms of like that larger picture design idea of Mm -hmm. how you balance those two. I think, you know, just to sort of speculate uh, from my perspective is, um, you know, you know, there is going to be, you know, it's like with anything in any piece of media, um, any piece of content, TV show, movie, whatever. There's going to be half the people that want this and half the people that want that. A quarter of the people want this, a third of the people want this. Half of them are going to hate this character. Half of them are going to love this character. Half of them are going to love the story mode. Half of them are going to hate it. Half of them are going to love the way that this, the new dribbling thing works. Half of them are going to hate the new way the new dribbling thing works. You know, it's sort of like you just have to kind of puncture through that the best you can. And make every piece of the experience. I think what 2K does an amazing job is is trying to make sure every piece of the experience is thorough and rigorous and thoughtful so that even if you you were just trying to sort of blast through and play as much just basketball as you can, there's at least stuff along the way that maybe if it gets in your way is at least kind of drawing you to it and be like, hey, listen, wait here. It might be entertaining. Just sort of enjoy this. And the scenes are shorter than they have been in the past. So it's not necessarily something that's really, really bogging people down. Um, I think some of the challenges with open world, um, you know, in some of the feedback that I've seen is just that, you know, open world games in general, it's tough to get around the world. It takes a long time to walk from point A to point B. And there's always going to be people that complain about that no matter what the game is. Grand Theft Auto, whatever. Hijacking helicopters or anything. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, maybe in the future there'll be sort of pieces in the world that are added to enhance that experience. But at this point, it doesn't have that. But uh, I think – you know, you think about the open world thing, there's such an overwhelming amount of people that love it that the percentage of people that are having some frustrations with it, um, you know, I think 2K's perspective is we'll sort of look to f- help that fix that in the future going forward. Right now, this is the best sort of idea that we could come up with. Um, you know, or, you, know, you got to play to as much of the audience as you can. There's always going to yeah. be people that don't exactly like every bit of what you're doing. Um, we. You talk about how much work you guys put into. There's a lot of work that I I put it. I'm a writer on the game. We, we write a lot of scenes. Yes. Um, those scenes have to pertain to a particular outcome or set of outcomes that happen. Yep. Um, is it tough to Is it tough to write something? Put so much work into a scene and just know in the back of your mind somewhere they may not even get to this. This may not even. There's going to be a subset of the audience that never sees this. I think that's the question for you, Jason. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> is hey, it frustrating to you it, that there's a subset yes, of the audience? Everything I do is, is you know, is genius. Uh, listen, as long as the check clears, I'm happy. Yeah. yeah you know? <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, I mean, the question for me, I, I, I think that's for anything. You know, right. I, I keep saying that it's like any piece of media and it's the same thing. I mean, think if you're doing a TV show or movie or whatever, it's like, you know, you talk about a movie I just did. It's, you know, it's a low budget indie feature. Um, how many people are going to see it? I don't know. Um but you can't look at things that way. You just have to take every scene that you do and do it as to the best of your ability that right. you can. You can't sort of say, hey, listen, this scene's going to be at the end of the game. Right. One percent of the people are going to get here. So <laughs> let's kind of just get through this one a little quicker. Right. I think if you if you as a director, my perspective is if you start doing that, 
then there can be a trickle down effect all the way through, sure. which is the actors will be like, okay, wait, which kind of scene is this? Is this one towards the end or towards the beginning? Do I have to work harder on this one or not as hard as this one? And same with the work managing the writing staff. Is this something that I have to work as hard on as some of the other scenes? I mean, certainly like when it comes to the prelude, which is the beginning of the game, which we gave away for free. Right. Yes, there's more of a focus and emphasis on let's make sure that this is really good. This blocked correctly. It's written correctly. It's rewritten and this and this and this. Um, there's a danger in that, too. Then you can hold on to that. It could become right. precious. Um, I think you, uh, you know, what I always say is you just have to find the truth in whatever scene that you're doing no matter what it is. So, you know, whether it's the beginning of the game or the end of the game, you can only do the best you can to just make the scene feel truthful to the people watching it. And whatever the emotion is in the scene, try to make sure that that emotion rings truthful. So, like, so much of directing and filmmaking, such game making, is a collaborative process. Yeah. And you've just got to be able to read people's personalities, what yeah. they're ready to do, if they're tired, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, how, does, how does that change from it in terms of the video game industry, the video game space, like just being able to read your actors and trying to get performances out of them, point them in a direction that, that – you're trying to get them to go. I th you know, video games, I think uh, I think in this case, a video game is a lot like a TV show. There's so much volume in the in the game in terms of, you know, so the main character is DJ. You know, the second lead is this guy, Shammy, who's his, mm -hmm. you know, veteran on the team. Excuse me. Once Shammy, once Cameron Bedford, who played Shammy, locks into the Shammy character, Cameron can basically play Shammy. He can check into right. who Shammy is. Once you you see, you know, the first couple of days of shooting with Cameron as Shammy, he's kind of fine. You help him find what the character is. And then once he finds it, I, want, I don't want to say it goes on autopilot, but it becomes, that's the character. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't show up um, on the set of uh, Mad Men season four and start trying to tell <laughs> John Hamm how to do, <laughs> you know, um, right. Don Draper. Right. So in this case, it's the same thing. It's like you get through a couple days, a week of shooting with this guy, Cam, who's playing Shammy, and you just kind of like, okay, let now let Shammy, just let him be Shammy. And so the more you let him, you know, I always think the more you let people, and that goes writing staff, uh, actors, everybody on this, on, you know, it is a collective, collaborative environment. The more you allow people to express their point of view, um, it lifts the whole boat. I get frustrated a lot of times. I used to do a lot of um, mop-up work on shows and movies where people would get fired and I'd show up and try to mop up the, <laughs> the mess. And I would always get frustrated when I would listen to people talk about what the problems were with producers or whoever. And usually nine times out of ten, the problem was always that the director or producer in the case was just choking the process. Mm. You know, being like, no, you need to say this line this way. You need to say this line this way. The camera needs to move here. The light needs to go. There. It's like there's paid professionals around you that know how to do their job. You hired them for a reason. Let them do their job. You know, you hired these writers for their point of view. Allow them to express that point of view. If you try to micromanage that, then the writing process is going to be bad. The, the material you're going to get back is bad. And then you try to micromanage it more. And then that process just gets worse. So what I'm always trying to do is just sort of empower the people around me to take ownership of whatever part of the game or the movie or the TV show that they have. Um, and the more they take ownership of it, the more the atmosphere, you know, set atmosphere is so delicate, the more the atmosphere of the set becomes this kind of collective, like we're a team, we're all in it together. We're going to get this thing done. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. Um, and I found that 10 out of 10 times that it's always that way. The more you empower people with their own points of view, the more the process gets better, the more pe everybody's behind the process and always, always, always the product is better. No mm -hmm. question.
And I guess this is a question for both of you. The NBA is a really rich text, I guess, from a storytelling (laughs) perspective, probably more so than the other major sports. We get a real sense of these guys' lives and personalities and beef and drama and pettiness and emotions. So I would imagine that you tried to have that come through in the game and that it would be easier to get that through in the game than it might be if you were working on a football franchise or a baseball franchise where that stuff isn't put out in the public to quite the same degree that it is in basketball. So how did you try to channel that or how did that make the job easier in in some way? I think I'm going to I'm going to take this a little bit and then I'm going to kick it to Jason because I think he can answer this almost better than I can, which is the game is E for everyone. Yeah. So, um, you know, sort of the even more PG, PG 13 type ideas that you might be thinking of in terms of like what NBA players get themselves into um, throughout a season can't really be touched. Um, Now, I'm not going to say that's good or bad or whatever it is. It just is what it is. That's the. That's what the game is. It's for everyone. It's for kids, you know, that are old enough to pick up a controller to adults that are old enough to be engaged in it. Um, so it really is for everyone. So there's a delicate balance of, you know, wh- what's the ceiling on that? How far right. can you go with certain things? And also the NBA is a partner. NBA is a creative partner. So they have a stake in this um, and they have a stake in it creatively in terms of they don't want to necessarily make their product look um, bad, you know. They want to keep it, you know, sort of somewhat family friendly in that way. Mm-hmm. So I think from the writing perspective, that's probably even more challenging than than from the directing perspective. Yeah, I mean, there are certain concepts that uh, you know that um, that two K wanted to get into that you could kind of just dis- detach from the things that you know about from real life and and try and spin out. For instance, uh, you know, just the idea that a person, a player, could do something on social media that would be embarrassing. You don't necessarily have to specify or or get into like a <laughs> PG-13 or an R-rated thing, but you uh-huh. could you could do something where, you know, the player calls out one of his teammates in a way that's uh the team does not appreciate. So you could you could use that concept. And also there's like a lot of things uh, that we wrote in there for just different rivalries with different players, different uh NPC players that uh you know would have perhaps beef with with your my player, um, with the with the relationship between between Shammy and and DJ, there's a lot of space that you could explore there. Where you know at times Shammy's very supportive, at times he kind of is critical, and at times he's like you know more overbearing. Um, but there's there's ways to use those concepts, things the interpersonal drama of the NBA um, within the game, and make it e for everyone. Um, that we explored. And that was actually kind of fun to do that stuff. Well, I think mm-hmm. some of the, the, the structural challenges there exist too, that I don't know that enough people sort of think through, which is, um, I mean, certainly this is something that we on the 2K side think through all the time, constantly, but there's limitations um, just built into the structure of the game, which is you as the gamer have the option to play for any NBA team. Right. Yeah. That's so right. you can't be like, you really have like, I mean, we're limited in some ways to be like, okay, who are the other characters that DJ right. can interact with? You have the team mentor. Now, can you have three or four other teammates that he could interact with and have relationships with? That would be great. But that would interfere with yeah. if you're the, you know, <laughs> the Cleveland Cavaliers, right. you know, IT and LeBron. And, you know, where do they then fit into that structure? And why aren't they a part of this yeah. scene and this story and all this kind of stuff? So the the my player story has to be 
you know, the micro story has to be such a catch-all in a lot of ways because it has to fit every city, every team. Um, So there's a lot of limitations that way, which limitations can be good um, because it it forces us to be a little bit more creative. But there are certainly limitations that are difficult, I think, on the writing side to um, expand it as far as you could possibly go. Well, one specific uh, thing that we ran into was when we were doing the prelude – you know, originally we had written some stuff in for DJ's family, his parents to be around. But because the player can put themselves into the game and they can be any race, any nationality, (laughs) you can't then have (laughs) DJ's family actually on camera because you (laughs) don't know what they're going to look like. So that became a thing that you you just had to work around. Could you have them on the phone? Like, how could you do it? And that became an issue that we had to work around. Yeah, and that's an issue that, you know, Spike ran into with, you know, uh, NBA 2K16 version of the game, Mm -hmm. Um, which is, you know, it was a very specific storyline that had a very specific through line. More like a movie, but the they the gamer still wants to create their own characters. Right. So you have awkward, you know, racial fits, you know, for lack of a better term, in terms of you know where this guy structures in the world. So um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the prelude, it was like we wanted to have a draft scene, yeah, um, where the characters gonna be drafted, and you know, it's like at a local place or at the character's home, and it's like surrounded by the family and the friends and whatever. Like, oh yeah, this is gonna be great. Decide not to go to the draft, <laughs> surrounded by the family, really cool scene. Everybody's excited. Oh, yeah, right. Can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's problematic. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris, you started with the series on 2K14, right? Yes. So that was pre-Spike Lee era. A lot has changed sports games, not just 2K, have evolved quite a bit over those four years. Maybe we've touched on some of the ways that they've evolved, but what do you see as the biggest difference, I guess, in the mission of delivering an annual sports game in 2017 relative to 2013? And and where do you see sports games going, if it's possible to project? Um, 2K14 was amazing. I mean, I, I, uh, I, you can't say enough about 2K, about Jeff, about their vision and their ideas. Nobody done this. Um, you know, and it was ultra secret and it was like, okay, well, let's do a story mode. Numbers ever done it in a video game and they'd never done, they'd done some things, you know, on the mocap stage, but they'd never done, you know, a full on story. But they, they obviously have other games in 2K that are story driven games like, mm-hmm. you know, XCOM or uh, mm-hmm. Mafia. So they were familiar with how story works, but it was sort of like, well, we want to do this really massive, you know, basically script, which we were talking about, you know, basically the script amount of like three movies. Um, and it was like, you know, nobody really knew how to do it. So I came in and was like, okay, well, let's figure out, let's figure out the best way to do this. Um, and so it was the first time anybody ever done this and it was really exciting. Um, it's a really exciting time because we sort of came out with the game and it just blew people away. We got every award possible and people were just like, I can't believe that you do this with a sports game. And yeah. now you see everybody copycatting it. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, FIFA came, has come out with their own thing. Man. Um, man's starting to do yeah. it. So it's like, they found that there's this larger ecosystem within the game that, players really, really want. I remember I used to play Madden all the time and frustrated with like the GM mode where it's like you make some trades and whatever, but it was so limited. It was just like this really basic thing. And you don't feel any connection emotionally to what's going on. Um, So, you know, going forward, obviously we've sort of changed the game again and sort of flipped it on, you know, the EAs of the world and saying, listen, we're doing, now we're doing, you've kind of started copying us. Okay, well now we're going to do this open world thing. So chase us there. Um, so how far this open world thing goes, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. Is that going to be next year's game? I don't know. Um, I honestly am saying that I don't have the answer to that. Um, where do they go in the future? I think that's probably, uh, you know, the way it, 
will go. I think that's probably the way that most games are going, you know, in terms of, you know, games now can hold so much size yeah. um, relative to what they used to be able to hold. Yeah. So the opportunities for the games to go into this kind of way bigger sort of unstructured universe is somewhat limitless. I mean, you're trying to make sure that, I mean, what's the goal, right, of any media company is to make you want to watch their thing over and over again. Netflix is the same, right? We've given you all this stuff. We never want you to leave Netflix. Here's a <laughs> right. thousand shows. Yeah. Like, just keep watching. So it's the same thing here, which is you play our game, keep playing our game, keep playing our game. The only way to do that is to give you so much stuff that you, you know, and Grand Theft Auto does an amazing job of yeah. that. Also a Take-Two interactive game, um, plug to the family. <laughs> um, not that they need any plugs. Um, but, you know, Grand Theft Auto really set the table for that where it's like you can go out and play golf. You can go out and hijack hell. Yeah. You know, it's all those different things. So I think in this in this case, you know, sort of the, the world's limitless, um, you know, it always has to be rooted and tied back to the game, to NBA, to basketball. You can't lose that. I think that's always going to be the struggle. Um, but, you know, how are we creating a more emotional connection mm. for the gamer? I think we still have a ways to go with that. Um, I think, you know, with anything. That's always got to be the touchstone is how are you making sure that the audience is engaged emotionally with the situations? Um, and I think that's what we're always striving to do. And I think if we ever say, oh, we've achieved that, we're wrong, you know, because we can always do better. Um, I think we've done a lot of really, really good stuff, but I think there's a way to even do better and better and better going forward. Um, and I expect other games to kind of start copying that model that we're laying down. Well, we've been talking to Chris Papernik. He's the director of NBA 2K18 as well as 14 and 15 in the upcoming feature Izzy Gets the Fuck Across Town. That's right. Coming to a theater near you. Yes. Uh, first quarter of 2018. Chris. Yes. It was a pleasure. Thanks for coming Thank out. you. I appreciate it very much. Thank this you. was great, guys. Thank Hire you. me again, 2K. <laughs> I'm ready. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Absolutely. bring back Jason. Before we go, we want to give away a pair of tickets to the Legend of Zelda Symphony of the Goddesses World Tour that we mentioned at the top of the show. If you'd like to attend, send an email to aopodgiveaway at gmail.com with your name and the preferred date you'd like to attend. Again, that's aopodgiveaway at gmail.com. Good luck. Okay, so that will do it for this episode. You can look forward to a two-episode week from us next week. We're going to be back with a special bonus pod on Monday. We're going to talk to your fellow video game writer, Walt Williams, about his new memoir, Significant Zero. When's your memoir coming out? Uh, I've, I'm writing it via Twitter every day. <laughs> It'll just be the collected <laughs> tweets That's of it. that network. Just when I'm gone, just put all that shit together, read it front to back. <laughs> so we'll be back with Walt on Monday, and then we'll be back also with our regular Friday show. We're going to have a couple fun things to talk about. I think our colleague, former podcast guest, Victor Lukerson, is obtaining a scarce SNES classic. He is somehow right. getting his hands on one. He's going to do it all-day marathon playing every game on the SNES Classic. He'll be writing about it for the site. We'll be talking about it with him on Achievement Oriented. So you have been listening, as always, to Achievement Oriented, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. We will talk to you soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>